what's up, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Five Leader Podcast. We got some things to follow up on. The Philadelphia Eagles had a great draft, man. Uh, Villanova and some recruiting to get down with and to basically talk about Philadelphia and the loss to the Raptors. Bad loss, no doubt. And let's talk about some Phillies work. Let's talk about some things. Now, let's get to it. I want to talk about the Andre Dillard situation. It's a great situation. You got to round up kind of how the Eagles are. Their team right now trying to get a lot deeper, you know, kind of like they was in the Super Bowl. If you look at the Super Bowl team, you look at LeGarrette Blunt, Sproles got hurt, Clement came through, then they got a job. They had three guys being productive. Let's talk about the offensive line first. We know there was uh, Kelsey, there was Wazinski, Brandon Brooks, Jason Peters, and Peters got hurt. He had Big V. And Lane Johnson, you had guys like Chance Warmack, you had Isaac in there. Um, and the biggest thing was the rotation. Stout did a great job. Everybody was able to contribute, do a great job, and give them depth. Now, what are we trying to do now? And it's even more better now because you bring in a first-round draft pick, a guy who was the best tackle in the draft, He's ready to already take the spot to be a starter. I don't think Philly likes relying on hopefuls or guys who are being shaped into or who are progressing. Like Matt Pryor was a guy drafted. And he's turned out to be a guy that's going to be a good backup. No doubt. He can go from guard to center. Big V, he's developed. Because I remember when he started, I mean, I remember so bad when – um. You know, he was getting chewed up by so many defensive ends. And he learned. He's become a way better tackle than he was when he came in his league. And he won a Super Bowl because of it. He, everybody talked about the Nick Foles being the guy who came in. Let's talk about some other backups like Big V, who came in for a Hall of Fame tackle. Did a great job against guys like Everson Griffin of Minnesota. I mean, he did a great job. Big V played a great role. It's very underrated role on how dominant he was in those playoffs. Now you got Peters back, you know, and that's probably out of all the injury prone people on the team. That's probably the guy like he's just been doing this for the last couple of years and he's older. And, you know, you just, you hope, you know, you really hope he would at least play like 12 games during the season at least, you know, and then play in the playoffs. You're hoping this happens. You know, that's what you want. You want to, you, I really want to see Peters go out with a strong bang. I really feel like, um, this could be his last year. I think he wants to end the Eagle. He don't want to go nowhere else. Um, Brandon Brooks, I don't give a care. Anxiety, whatever he's going. Listen, he's always one of the top three guards in football. Jason Kelsey, you know what he brings. Fire, energy, um, the best center in football. Uh, and, um, you know, Isaac is just a good – he's a good guard. He, we don't know how great he's going to become, but he's good. He earned that contract. And Alex Samolo is – um, he's just one of them guys who – Samulo is a is a guy who can play all the positions on the line, and he end up, you know, I think that Super Bowl year he was decent. He provided depth, but he was decent last year. He became a good lineman, and then you get um Lane Johnson, of course. So now you got Matt Pryor. You hear great things from even Kelsey. That's a big up. Kelsey says things about Jordan Mulata that how good he's become, and and Big V, you know. So now you got Dillard. That's big, and then. One guy I want to talk about. If we're talking about the draft, let's talk about Ryan Bates. Penn State, Ryan Bates, he had a good combine. He's been, he's, workout's good. There's nothing he's done. It's just this was a deep draft. If, if this was last year, he probably would have been a fourth-round pick, man. Out of here, even maybe third. I mean, Ryan Bates is the real deal. To get him in there, I think that offensive line is going to get even more deep. We need deep. We need depth. Because last year was just crazy what happened. That's two straight years, really. Because Philly was hit by that the year before. This was just, you know, a lot of players wasn't there. They was there last year that provided the spark. And a lot of guys like Ajayi and Darby wasn't there, you know, getting guys like that hurt. It was just real crazy how that really happened. You know, the guys that got hurt. Now you get the line. And that line just looks real good to me. It looks like a good line. If Peters goes down, Dillard's going to come in there. That's just it. He's going to come right in there. And they're going to see what he has. And I believe he's going to start right in and be good. 
But Peters right now, to have Peters back, give him a contract, I think it's exciting to see him get on the field until he gets hurt. You just can't call him hurt. I mean, let him get on the field. But if Peters gets hurt, I, I can see that. I can see them even sitting Peters and letting Dillard just come in there. I can see that happening. I can see them seeing Peters do some snaps and they give him a rest and let Dillard come in there and rotate. That would be smart to keep Peters fresh. Let Dillard come in there. He plays. Then you bring Peters in there. Like, seriously, I think most of the time when Peters is rushed back in there, it's because they don't have the same impact or, you know, um, you know, they had to, when he's injured, he's out. But sometimes he gets hurt and they want to sit him out and, you know, they're like, okay, we got to put him back in there, you know, because, you know, we don't got the same impact. We need Peters. But now you got Dillard and there's times where you can sit him out for a whole game, couple games, and let Dillard get in there, let Peters, I think that'll be big. I think it's going to be something to see how Dillard, what type of how many snaps he gets this year? And he's six five, three fifteen. He can play the guard position. It's one situation where I was thinking about that guard position could be a position he steps into and plays. Also, I mean, if anybody think about that, Malata still might be the tackle over there, and Peters play. I mean, Dillard plays the guard. I mean, Malata is six eight, like three forty. Like he's a big guy. You put him over there. If he's gotten good enough, you put him over there. You put Dillard at the guard position. That could very well happen. So some, something to think about. Just something to think about. But right now, Dillard is the tackle. He's the tackle of the future. That's it. Now, um, looking at uh, Pro Football Focus, him was the second best tackle on the draft to Jonah Williams. But, you know, most people, and even me, I think he's the, he just became it through his uh, process and, you know, uh, the combine, just with how he moves. I just, I just looking at how he performed in the combine and then, you look at the college, then you look back at the college, like, man, this dude don't give up. He's like one sack he gave up over, over like 780 snaps almost. Like, you got to see this guy, great technique, can't get knocked off his balance, strong hands, strong arms, great movement, athletic. Stoutland going to make a beast out of this guy. He's already a beast. He's going to make him a manimal. So, um, I just like the way this draft went. Seriously, like the way it went. You talk about other guys uh, like Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders was one of those type of guys that I was looking at. Like, even when he ended his career, you always think about, I'm a Pennsylvania guy, so you think Pennsylvania. You want guys like, you know, Miles Sanders to become that that player that goes home, stays home, you know. Um, Miles Sanders was waiting, seriously waiting. If you look at what he was doing, I mean, he was always averaging over seven yards a carry. I mean, how many carries he got for Penn State. Then when he got his chance, over 1,200 yards, proved he was a proven receiver in the backfield for Penn State. Proved it. Dynamic, really, you're looking at all the running backs that really played in, you know, in a rush last year. Sanders went against great competition. He became him and Hamler were like the focal point, and, and and Pat Freeman, they were both the focal point of the offense. You know, Pat Free he was catching, he was he was catching passes, touchdowns, touchdown threat. Then you look at Hamler, how exciting he was for turn game and catching, and Miles Sanders. Those were the guys you looked at that helped McSorley out, and Miles set the tone. I mean, if he wasn't rushing good, it was a hard game. It was definitely a hard game. I mean, most of the time they was losing. If, if Miles Sanders wasn't becoming a factor in the rushing attack. And he did that. When a guy like Barkley leaves, when a guy like Barkley leaves with his superstar status, with, with, with the attention that he brings, it's pressure. Real pressure. But the thing people don't realize, he was the number one running back in the nation out of his class. Number one. Miles Sanders was like, he was a five-star. He was like the guy to get. Number one in PA, of course, out of Pittsburgh. You know, it was big for him, big night. You saw him with his family, uh, tears. Uh, he was with Marcus Allen. It was big, man, for him to be here. And I was always like, yo, Philly. Even when they had the 25th, at one time I was thinking, Miles Sanders was too good. He was I'm looking at this draft. I mean, you never know how people are going to judge these NFL drafts, man. I was thinking he was a guy that the Eagles probably couldn't get. Even with Saquon Barkley, I remember one time before the season, before the season kicked off, before um, 
Saquon Barkley Jr. season. They had him at like number 11 or 13 prospect in the draft. I was like, this is unbelievable right now. <laughs> Nobody saw how he played. I mean, then all of a sudden, that changes. Now I'm looking at Miles Sanders. The only reason he didn't get there because he didn't have two seasons like that. He didn't get to do that. But as soon as a five, what people are not looking at, he proved his worth. You, a five-star back. He was waiting in the trenches. I mean, he was recruited higher than Barkley was. Barkley was number two in Pennsylvania when he came out. He was a four-star. You know, he was close. He had like a 94 rating in 247. And he was close to a five-star, you know, as, as you can really try to get. You know, he was, you know, some points away. But you look now, it's like, hey, you know, people just saw it. They probably saw it, but they didn't think he was that. But now they're like, man, we, he should have been a five-star, you know. But Miles Sanders, you look at this man's tape and Kyle, I mean, he was just as dynamic. The only thing about Barkley is just simply this. He's stronger and faster. Just more athletic. That's it. Stronger, faster, more athletic. That's just that's what it is, period. Miles Sanders is like Barkley is more like and Miles Sanders, if you say what Barkley is, he's like Miles Sanders 2.0. You know, Barkley was here first. I'm just talking about if you want to act with, with who will Barkley be, it's like Miles Sanders 2.0. That's it. Maybe 3.0. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're the same, almost the same type of running back. You see them running. Miles Sanders has speed. He has power. And he can catch. It's just Barkley can do all that, you know, at a faster rate. He gets hit. He's harder to bring down. He can jump over you. He's quicker. He, he's just, you know, he's just that type of player. And now Philly gets a guy that can be their lead back. He can be their lead back. Looking at what Miles Sanders can do from a, a standpoint as a running back, he can be a three-down back. It's not even a question. The only question is when is he getting on the field? That's it. Whenever he, whenever he the camp starts, as camp goes on, you're going to hear about him. You're, you're going to hear about this guy, no doubt. And I'm telling you, once once camp goes, and I know how it goes down, I know how, you know, um, I know how camp is. And people, if they, if they win in camp, they're going to get time. Barkley, I mean, Miles Sanders averaged one, 101 yards a game, 0. .9, 101.9. So he was getting 100-yard games. That was it. <laughs> That's just what he was averaging. He had 1,223 yards, nine touchdowns. You have to look at the type of then the pressure because they needed him. I mean, Slade came in. Ricky Slade, the five-star running back, number one in his class. He came in. You had a guy like Journey Brown getting some touches. Mark Allen got hurt. I mean, but he was the the focal point. Twenty-four receptions. He had a touchdown in that. You know, what I mean, in that regard. You want to look at the type of guy, and the type of games he had, in which he had to just carry Penn State. He had a two-hundred-yard game against Illinois. He had a 162-yard game against Michigan State. Okay, what he does is show up. The Appalachian State game, he was big. He had 91 yards in that game, but the game was bigger than that. He was really big in that game. Went to Pittsburgh in his hometown at 118 yards, letting you know where he's from. All right, um, the 200-yard game, he had three touchdowns. He had 159 yards against Wisconsin, 128 against Maryland. I mean, he's just one of those type of running backs. He's going to be a focal point. That's it. He's going to be a focal point in the game. The one in the end of the game where he had 72 yards rushing and 54 yards receiving. He can do things like that. In this offense, they're going to find ways to get him involved even more because he's now it's the NFL. You got better personnel. You got um guys who are sharp. It's the pro level. And now it's going to, they're going to make him even better. Deuce is going to make Miles Sanders better as a running back, period, because he Deuce was an all-purpose back. He was used in that regard. The same way Barkley or Sanders used all-purpose backs. Deuce Steely out of South Carolina. They got the perfect running back coach. You come with Doug Peterson as your guy. Doug Peterson comes in. So it's Doug Peterson and Deuce Staley. They're basically working in that regard. Then you got, for the receiver, you got our Sega Whiteside, which we'll talk about later. And we're going to come back soon, and we're going to talk about, uh, after this break, we're going to talk more and more and break it down. Talk about the running backs also, because you talk about who got drafted. You got to talk about the depth now. The depth is important. Where they drafted, how the depth looking when we come back here on Follow Leader.
What's up, y'all? Welcome back, Father Leader. And we're here to talk about more about the Eagles 2019 draft class. Let's go back on more Miles Sanders, man. Miles Sanders is going to add a great piece to this puzzle. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is a guy the last three years, since he's been in this league, only been here. This is going to be his fourth season. And nobody else has rushed more than him, Ty Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. That should tell people enough. I mean, Philadelphia is hard, ain't it? That is a hard fan base. They, they want to, now that they got the Super Bowl, now they want to keep on tasting victory. I mean, how can you doubt him when you look at how Jay Ajayi was? He came into the league, you know, 1,000 yards. I mean, they, they was basically the same type of impact players coming in. I mean, Jay Ajayi um, became a 1,000-yard rusher. He had 1,200 yards one game, one year. I mean, Jay Ajayi hit over 200 yards in one game. So you look at Jordan Howard and what he accomplished, 1,300 yards. I mean, another 1,000-yard season, then he had 900-something yards. You're looking at people looking at this year like 900 yards ain't big. Regardless, 900 yards for a young player is good regardless. You're looking at the yards per carry. They can always change, especially if you believe in the type of winning team Philadelphia is. You see what can happen with them. When Jay Ajayi came here, his yards per carry were down, too, until he came to the Eagles. And then it went right back to normal. So you have to be excited about Jordan Howard. Jay Ajayi came from Miami. Did they make the playoffs? No. Jordan Howard came from a playoff team. His last five games, he averaged 4.5 yards per carry, and is the reason why they were even in the playoffs. Nobody's looking at those. So you bring him, Miles Sanders, and you have your – LeGarrette Blunt with Jordan Howard, you have your Jay Jolly with Miles Sanders. That's your one, too, because you look at Josh Adams, you're not going to have him as your number two because it's like him and Howard are like the two same type of backs. Sanders is quicker, faster, and he's better. But if you, I'm just saying, looking at those two type of backs, Howard and, and, and Adams are the same type of backs, same type of runners. You know, Howard's a little bit more powerful, and then Adams is a guy that is going to get some run. They are not going to neglect Adams. Don't think this is a forget about. No, Adams is going to get some snaps. It's going to be times where they need to get those tough yards, and you can beat up on the offensive line with Adams and Howard. It's sometimes when you just sit Howard a couple of snaps and let Adams get some snaps. He might get like three carries that game. What it does is it changes it up. He might even get four carries that game. You look at Sanders, and you look at 
is sometimes where Clement will just get a couple of catches, you know, four or five catches in the game. You don't get no rushes. You got Adams and Howard and Sanders. And sometimes when you're going to have Clement, and you might have uh, um, Adams get a couple of carries and Clement, maybe two carries each just to, just to switch it up. Then you still got Sanders and you got Howard. It's just, you know, tiring out the defense. You got four runners now. But don't even think about, like, like I think Smallwood could definitely make the team. If anything Smallwood did last year, Wendell Smallwood proved from a Big 12 rushing guy. He's a top rusher coming out of college in the Big 12. That year and his last year in West Virginia, he led the Big 12 in rushing. So he came in. He had big games, big games against Pittsburgh. I remember that game. Like Wendell Smallwood always, when they tell this man to show up, he show up. And last year he proved it. He became a better receiver. And he, he had some big games that helped Philadelphia win down the stretch. So they looking like, look, Deuce Staley looking like, oh, I want all these guys. I want them all. Why would he even want to just do any, keep that depth? You just never know. And then seeing how Adams and Small will work together, if push come to shove, if, 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 a, if the crazy, crazy luck, knock on wood, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, and Clement get hurt. You look, Adam, you're not in bad shape at all with Adams and Smallwood. They know the offense now. Adam's second year, Smallwood, umpteenth year. Not literally, but you know, he's been here long enough. You know, got a Super Bowl ring. He's a guy on that, really, if you look at that running back squad, he's the guy with the most experience. He's the vet. You want him there. He's the he's he's been there since the beginning. You know, he's been there before uh Peterson even got there. So if you're looking at Wendell Smallwood, you're looking at what he can do as a as a running back. He gives you experience. That lock. I mean, he has to be doing something good to always be there, always be called on. So um, now that that just makes the running. This is exciting running back class because I'm really. I think Sanders can become the offensive rookie of the year. You're looking at all Kyle Murray and Kyler Murray and all these other guys. Sanders can, he's, if you're looking at the top five guys, you look at probably going to Kyler Murray, uh, offensive rookies, Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs. Um, uh, Nikhil Henry could be, Harry could be a guy definitely to look at. Um, Marquise Brown's couple, but top five is Kyler Murray, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs is your top three. And then if you're looking at anybody else, Noah Fant, I believe, is another guy. I think Noah Fant. Is definitely a guy to look at to be the offensive rookie of the year in Dwayne Haskins. I'm sorry, he's gonna get in there. But we'll see what happens, really. I mean, I think I gotta be more fair. Uh, Daniel Jones could eventually get in there if New York start losing, like I heard um Charlie Cassidy say, I roll with it. I roll with it hundred percent, man, because if they start having a year like next year, it's time to throw them young bucks in there. Um Nikhil Harry, like I said, I think he'll get time. I think he'll get time. You know, that's one guy. I think he'll get some time in there. But Noah Faint will be the fourth guy. And like I uh, I'm still saying Haskins, but um, I guess I have to go with um Nikhil Harry. I'm going to go with him with the Patriots because they're going to need that. You know, um, Gronk is gone. They got Josh Gord, Demarius Thomas, and Harry's going to get a chance to flash with the Patriots. They're going to use, they're going to want to use another weapon. I think he's a, he was a steal. No doubt about it. No question, but you can't say it's such a deep draft, some good players. So, you know, who gets the best player now looking at other players, you know, after you get Miles Sanders and you solidify that point, you get JJ or Sega white side. Let me tell you something about this kid, man. Um, Alshon Jeffrey with a little bit more wiggle, a little bit more speed is the real deal. And I think he could jump high. I mean, he, he you know, he looked up the uh, Alshon Jeffrey, which is crazy as, as a child coming up playing football. So putting him there. And the crazy part is don't look for him to just impact this year like that. I mean, to impact is impact like Mac Hollins did. Whenever he got called on, Mac Hollins impacted. People are forgetting about him like they just washed him out to dry. He's a good receiver. He was just hurt last year. 6'4", he impacted in that Super Bowl year. Anytime they used him, put him out there, he made plays. 
So it's real exciting to see that. And then people are underplaying Shelton Gibson catching a 48-yard catch. That was his only time he got the ball thrown to him. He caught that and made a play. So that's I think he's a good slot guy. He can be a real good slot guy. With his speed, I can see him being a good slot person. But he's not going to get no time this year. Neither is Mac Hollins. He's just our Sega White side. They got to do some special teams work. Let's talk more about my guy, White Side. Now, he's a three star. Now, one of the reasons why you're looking at why he loved Alshon Jeffrey so much, Alshon Jeffrey came out of South Carolina. You got to understand, this guy was a, a big time. Alshon Jeffrey was the man. So, you know, he was number 11 in South Carolina. As y'all say, he's from Roebuck, South Carolina. Went to Dorman High School. He's a three star wide receiver. 6'3, 222. Know what you're getting. And to see what he did, I mean, freshman year, no time there. I as a sophomore, twenty-four receptions, three hundred seventy-nine yards, right, five touchdowns. But the next year, upgraded, forty-eight catches, seven hundred eighty-one yards, nine touchdowns. Then the next year, which was the year we're talking, sixty-three receptions, one thousand fifty-nine yards, fourteen touchdowns. In this draft class, nobody had more contested catches. I mean, looking at their productivity as a, a tall receiver, then you put him running the four or five into this team. Just let him and Hollins learn. People got to watch out for him and Hollins. I really got. I'm I'm high on both of Gibson. I'm not as high as on uh, Gibson's I am by Hollins, and, and because they can be outside receivers and they have size, and both of them have have proven what they can do. You're looking at Alshon and what Deshaun Jackson can do. I'm telling you, when Sheldon Gibson was drafted, he was compared to Deshaun Jackson. You're going to learn from that type of guy with that type of speed now. How to become that type of player. And that's an underrated fact. I think Doug Peterson and them all know. In the first game against San Diego State, when this whole season started, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside caught six receptions for 226 yards and three touchdowns. Just to start the season. He had a 103-yard game, 106-yard game, 111-yard game. 106-yard game came against UCLA. 109-yard game against California. 111-yard game against Washington State. 103-yard game against Utah. Continued three-touchdown game against UCLA. Multiple two-touchdown games. I mean, he was just one of those guys... It was hard to stop. 16.8 yards per reception. And another thing, the same thing with Andre Dillard. He don't have to come right in and impact nothing. The pressure is off. He can just come in and learn from, you know, at practice and then watch games of guys like Alshon Jeffrey. He's next to it's so many factors that make this class special because Miles Sanders playing for Philadelphia, playing in his I mean, in his state, staying home, and then these are Super Bowl champions. I'm pretty sure all Pennsylvania felt it when even when Pittsburgh or Philadelphia won the Super Bowl. They felt it. Whether they like who liked who or not, you feel it. It's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania goes crazy. You're going to see some Pittsburgh fans in Philly. You're going to see some Philly fans in Pittsburgh. So he's with Philly, and that just has to be a dream to stay next to your family. And so he's going to even work even harder. You're around a guy like Jordan Howard, another Big Ten guy, uh, Corey Clement, because Miles Sanders played with Corey Clement's boy, Jawan Johnson. You know, Jawan Johnson, Rob Rowe of Villanova, and Corey Clement were all friends, you know, talking with Rob Rowe about how they played uh, back in Little League together. So now you're, then he's there with his boy, who I'm about to get to next, Sharif Miller. Sharif Miller had a good season. Good seasons. When Sharif Miller was starting, he was always, you know, as a freshman, you know, no time there, falling back, um, you know, red, red shirt and that. Then he became, when he finally got time, he had, you know, a half a sack, five tackles for a loss, always showing promise, right? The next year, five and a half sacks, 11 and a half tackles for a loss, 37 tackles, showing that promise, becoming, in that time to me, becoming the leader. I think he was just coming to his own. He became the leader that year of that line. That year, uh, a second and a half, it, you really don't really get to see how much he really irritated 
quarterbacks, rushing them, almost getting to them, always coming in disrupting, stopping the run, being a complete defensive end. And then the next year, by no surprise, 41 tackles, 15 tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks. You know, I hear reports like, oh, the Penn State players that were drafted, they were drafted um, ahead of, uh, I mean, the last time they got Penn State players. These are different Penn State players, and, and they're coached by James Franklin. Not taking nothing away from anybody else. You know, not Paterno or nobody, but seriously. Miles saying this is a t- look at look. Tony Hunt was like 486 rating by 247 in the nation. Miles Sanders was number 21. Look at his, look at who he is, what he did, and where he was rated at. All right. Now, Tony Hunt became a good running back. No question about it. One of the best, most productive running backs in Penn State history. But he's not Miles Sanders. Not even close. Sharif Miller is a dog. He he's he's one of them people you can't judge with everybody else because his heart is fighting what he meant to that defensive line and what he did. So you're getting two good players. Then you come and they get a a, a trade for Hassan Ridgeway. Now we want to talk about Sharif Miller uh, on the defensive line real quick. I just want to talk about it. he's a three star guy out of PA. All right, let's talk about this real quick. I also have an interview on the release because on um, Prospect Corner, uh, Sharif Miller was the first guy, one of the only guys I interviewed before the draft. Um, so I'll release that tomorrow. I'm going to release that soon, excuse me. About, you know, I'm going to release that soon. But um, with Sharif Miller and Josh Sweat, I mean, that's just unbelievable. Josh Sweat was one of the top five recruits, number one in his position in the nation. And you get him and Sharif Miller on this team to sit back because you got Chris Long and you got Vinnie Curry and you got Hassan Ridgeway, which is good. Hassan Ridgeway was good in college. Good player. Run stopper. Uh, irritate. What I mean all the time, when I say irritate the pocket, that means he's going to make the quarterback make moves. He's going to, you know, make – he don't have to sack the quarterback, but quarterback can see him putting pressure. Those pressure on quarterback pressures right there to make a person change, change direction – Hassan Ridgeway has that type of push when he, you know what I mean, when he goes against the offensive line. And that's good to have him and Jernigan backing up. Backing up Malik Jackson and Fetcher Cox is going to be a real good rotation. And they still – guys like Trevon Hester and Bruce Hector, you never know if they're going to come in. You know, you don't have to throw those two guys in. So now you've got Hector, Hester, Bruce Hector, Trevon Hester, Josh Sweat, and Sharif Miller that don't even have to come in right now. So you have a row of – 12 linemen that you know you can have to your disposal. This is big. Um, Clayton Thornton. Clayton Thornton. Uh, this one guy. You know what? I didn't even. Ever, I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming with Philadelphia making that move to get that guy. Um, it was different. It was different. I mean, I knew. I thought about a, a quarterback, but I didn't think he was on the radar like that. And then when you look at him and what he's done, him being an all-time completions guy, all-time passing yards, all-time touchdowns, and then he's won bowl games. So he's 6'4". He got an arm. And he's kind of mobile. So it's like, wow, you know, if you put him in, around these coaches, anything's possible. People can become productive. So this is a guy to look at. And the crazy part is you still got Lewis Perez. We'll see what he does. He played in the AAF. So we'll see where that goes. That's why I didn't, you know, you never know what's going to happen or who's going to show up. But if you look at this cat, he's impressive. I mean, looking at what he can do, his quarterback rate was 125. All of them was over 120. When he was a freshman, it was 95. Uh, he threw for 3,000 yards two times in his career. Um, not really thrown for many touchdowns, but. Look at his completion percentage um, for his career is 58%. Last year, he threw 61% of his passes. You know, you're looking at his team, and, you know, you can't fault him for what he got with his team. Last year, he had 110 yards and nine touchdowns. He rushed for nine touchdowns, eight touchdowns a year before that, five, and then five in his freshman year where he had 397 yards rushing. I mean, the kid can play. 
the kid can play. He can ball out. Like, that's not even up for debate. You know, Big Ten football is something big. And to see that they got him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come in there and become this great person. But to look at the talent factor, it's a decent pick to develop. Because you're looking for a third quarterback right now. Because nobody's over Nate right now. So, now you're looking to see who's going to battle out for the third guy. Because you need a third guy. It's obviously important. When they had Nick Foles, Nate Suffield sat back there and waited. So, it's obviously important. So, now they got competition there with four quarterbacks. This competition now. It's nothing that has to be, oh, we need this. Nobody needs a third quarterback. You just need to get one. You just should get one. You, you should get one. Go ahead, develop them. And then, you know, when you look at your backup quarterback being gone, then, you you know, you might need that third guy. That's when you need them because now you've developed them. You sit back and develop because you don't expect for your third quarterback to have to come in there. So you don't really need them. You just need to develop them. That's all. You should develop them. You have to develop them. How about that? But um, other guys were picked up on draft free agent T.J. Edwards out of Wisconsin. I'm telling you, man. I mean, I feel like T.J. Uh, Edwards can do something, do something big for this team. Um, another guy, um, Sua Opta. He's an offensive lineman. Um, Ryan Bates is gonna make it. Now they got DeAndre Tompkins out of Penn State. That's another guy they got. Looking at his receiving capability, I can see him being on the practice squad. I don't see why not. But his best thing I can see is returning kicks. He's a real good kick returner. And let's just see how good he was a four-star receiver. You know, he can come out. He can come right out the woodworks and be a factor. If if you get a guy like DeAndre Tompkins on your team and he makes it, I can see him being somebody to be like a third receiver. He'll be an unbelievable slot guy. Like, seriously, I think he'll be an unbelievable slot guy. When you look at a guy like him right now, I mean, that that's a receiving core. That's kind of with Greg Ward Jr. coming. It's going to be kind of hard to see him make the team. But the practice squad, I can see him doing it. I mean, he has everything you would want in a receiver. You know, he's 5'11", 192. And um, he's one of those guys that can, he got speed. He got the speed. Like he was a four-star in the 2014 class. He's somebody, just watch out for him. Um, but I don't see him making a team, you know, and I, and I ain't no um, certainty he'll make the practice squad. We'll just see what happens because they like Greg Ward Jr. Will they keep him and Greg Ward Jr.? If he comes in and shows out, he can make practice squad. All he has to do is come in and play good. I can see that happening. Now, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in camp. It's going to be interesting. I mean, he can play football. He's the type of guy that can make plays. And he will be a perfect slot guy. Perfect. Per- that will be his perfect position for him. And then returning kicks. So, we'll see what happens there. And then, um, if we are trying to get a little bit into another guy, um, Joey Alfari is a guy that ran a 4-5 as a, as a linebacker. Just look out for him. Could be a special teams piece. Or could he develop into something else? But special teams piece more than anything with his speed and the ability to tackle. Anthony Russ is another one. Defensive tackle. Look out for him. Defensive tackle. Could definitely play. Looks like a player there. So a, a run stopper. So these are guys to look at as the undrafted guys. We come back, we're going to talk about some uh, Villanova news, you know, get on some recruiting news, um, some Sixer news before we get out of here. So when I come back, man, we're going to um, get more and more into how good uh, Villanova's recruiting class is going to be. Like, I think Villanova's recruiting class is going to be special. So when we get back, man, here on Follow Leader, we will talk about that Villanova. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to Fire Leader, man. We're going to get to this Villanova recruiting. Um, It's a little crazy right now because, you know, listen, Johnny Juzang, there was no offer. They were interested. They were interested when he was 2020. But when their reclassification came about, whenever classification came about, it was just crazy. Kind of hit him, you know, 
hit him sideways. Because, you know, I remember, you know, the Villanova staff likes Johnny. I mean, he got two uncles out there. Um, everything was in the works. But when you come into 2019 class, this is already a highly class with another five star. Then you look at what they did the year before. You got Brandon Slater. You got a Cole Swider coming in. Then at the two guard position is Justin Moore. So no doubt Juzang will get time because the type of player he is. It's no doubt that he Period. Like people talking about he wouldn't get this. Antoine is the one guy that you can count on not being there. People are steady saying, oh, I think he'll stay two years. And when everything starts and Villanova starts winning, they start seeing the upside of Antoine. He is definitely going to be in the draft. This is it. He's a one and done. He's out of here. This is, listen, these two guys, Scotty Lewis and Antoine, is no better duo in high school until, since they've been there. No better duo. I don't care what nobody says about There's no better duo than them two guys. They're talking about what these guys played there. I don't want to hear that. I, I was hearing, I was talking to one of my associates, you know, you know, uh, associates, you know, and it's like, you know, they play where they just league, they play in. Everywhere they go at, they show out. Everywhere they go. We're talking about they play AAU ball. Let's talk about that. They play AAU ball and they have been, you know, great in AAU ball on Team Rio. So we don't talk about where they playing in high school. Let's talk about what they've been doing in AAU ball too. And he stayed a top 10 dude. You know, Lewis, he's just become a so much better all-around player. But Antoine is now a killer, a better killer than Lewis. I mean, I know Lewis can go in there and do things, but Antoine this year just became a snake. All right? Now, let's talk about recruiting. Jabri Abdurrahim was offered. He has been, they have been after him for a very long time. It was only a matter of time before they offered Jabri. I right, and looking at Jabri, they're going in now. And Georgia's doing a good job on Jabri Abdurrahim. But now that Villanova is giving the offer, things going to turn. Because Villanova has been recruiting the mess out of Jabri Abdurrahim. Like, straight up, man, they have been on him. So now with the offer, you know, things count when the offer comes. The offer's not there. That's why if Nova would have gave Juzang an offer, it would have been a top five. Guarantee. Guarantee. They would have been added to the top five, but they didn't give him an offer. So, you know, now you get Jabri, and now Villanova comes in there. I think Jabri and Roach are the two guys to look for that could Jabri could commit quick. I'm looking at Jabri like you look at the recruitment of Brandon Slater for Villanova. I mean, they have been recruiting him for a very long time. So Jabri and Roach look like those two guys. And Elijah Hudson's Everett. I'm not even going nowhere else. That's it for the class. Until things change. Look, Elijah Hudson's Everett still. Look, I know they're looking at Lynn Grill third and Hassan Diara of a uh, of, uh, 2021 class and Nana Joku. You look at Terrence Williams, I understand, who is another guy who I feel can get an offer soon from Villanova. We'll just see how that rolls. When Villanova gives him an offer, we'll see how things go. But I think that could happen too. Obviously, with Jabri Abdurrahim offer, they're looking for a front court player to fall back when the 2020 class comes. But they're looking at Roach. Roach is the guy they want. I think Roach would be a Villanova Wildcat. It's only a matter of time. Um, when he comes in there, Roach will be that guy. But he's different from Quinley. Listen, Quinley was expected a lot. And when you got a guy like that, and I think, listen, the same mistake won't happen again. I think Wright had a whole other plan, a whole other way to try to, you know, keep Quinley back and still develop him at the same time, then bring him on next year. People think, people are like, no, he wouldn't hold nobody minutes. But yeah, he would. When you want to save a guy, then, then at the same time you're developing him. Why you're saving him? Because you don't want to just put him out there and he has a risk of leaving after, you know, because so many people look at him regardless of they're, what they're doing or not. If he's not out there playing, then what? So that's what happened. He wasn't one of those guys who, regardless of where he's going to be at, people want him to come out because they know his potential. He wasn't that type of guy. So now you look at Roach, he doesn't care about that. Roach is a guy I'm looking at now, you know, if you looked at it from the class before, you would think one and done. No, Roach is not a one and done. Roach is the type of player who I think would be a two and done or a three and done. I really think Roach is that type of player. Even him being the best point guard. If you're looking at the 2020 class, right? 
leading R.J. Hampton. I don't consider R.J. a point guard. He's a combo guard. He's more of a guy I think is a two guard. You know, uh, Roach is a point guard. He's a point guard, no doubt about it. Roach is the way he plays the game, looking to get more people involved before he scores, the way he attacks the basket. R.J. type person, he letting it fly. He can pass, but he's looking to impact the game in any type of way. Wherever he moves at, he's looking to score. He's looking to dog you. That's his. He's looking to score on you. Everything else comes off him being a scorer, people coming to him, people getting open. But he's looking to dog you. That's what he's looking to do, period. He's looking to dog you anytime he got the ball. Roach is like, okay, who set up? You know, you want to look at a, a younger guy playing like Roach, you look at LeBron James Jr. playing like Roach. You know, um, you look at Roach the same way you look at Cole Anthony. And he'll be in Villanova. And my thing is, in 2020, when he lands there and you look at Gillespie being the senior, the next year when he's gone, it's sophomore time. It's Jeremy Roach time. And that is it. It's going to be Jeremy Roach. He will be a point guard of Villanova. Now, they don't, if the ifs come, if they don't get Greer, like if they don't get Roach, like I always say, it's Lynn Greer the third. I think they are really looking hard at Lynn Greer the third. Uh, Tyler Beard's another guy. Look at, I always say it, Tyler Beard. But we'll, 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 when that comes, right now, they're all focused on Roach. I got the word. He's healthy. He'll probably be playing soon to AAU a little bit, but we'll see. But he'll, he'll be back. He's back healthy, and he'll be playing soon. So we'll see how that goes, you know, going into all through this year, the recruiting's going to come. Kentucky and Villanova were, you know, head on, and Duke was in it, you know, and then Kansas, like, you know, you got other guys. Uh, his top four was a little big, but it's right now. You look at Kentucky and you look at Villanova once again, always going head up with each other on recruits. But Roach is Villanova. They had the heads up anyway with Slater. Now, Jabri Abdurrahim, he's in New Jersey. Villanova does great in New Jersey. They always get great talent, and they have been recruiting. Like I, but before they even gave my offer, they've been recruiting since last year. Hard. So I think those two guys are two guys to look at. And Elijah Hutchins, every, if they get these three guys, another great recruiting class. This is great when you get a five-star, two guys who are high four-stars. You know, Jabri could be a five-star. I mean, he's a real good player. So that's another guy to have as a, as, a, as a wing that you can look at in the fold because Jermaine Samuels is about to go. Who else? And he's not a one-and-done. Jabri's nowhere near a one-and-done. You know, he could stay four years. You know, then you look at a lot of Hudson Everett. He's not a one-and-done. He could stay four years. These are high-character guys because you're looking at um, also – Cosby Roundtree going, and then you're going to have Dixon and Hutchinson Everett. They're making it all fold. Just look at those three guys. That's where we're going right now. But no, but those three guys, it's five-star Jeremy Roach, who is the number one priority. I'm letting you right know right now, and I think that's Villanova. Jabri Abdurrahim, starting early. Right now, Georgia, you know, they had the offer going. The other teams had offers. Now Villanova has the offer. I'm telling you now, he's going to be Villanova. Now, I could be wrong, but looking at it right now, the way they've been recruiting him, the key thing is always the offer. Like Seth Lundy loved Villanova. I talked to Seth. He loved Villanova. But they wasn't, well, you know, my last, one of my last conversations was, man, they, not, they ain't got the offer. <laughs> they ain't got no offer. So the offers is always big. And now they have offered Jabri Abdurrahim. And Elijah Hutchins ever been having an offer. Penn State's recruiting him. But I wouldn't be too worried about Penn State, you know, with Villanova. I think Villanova is going to get those three guys. I just do. I just think those three guys. Now, who recruits first? I mean, who? Excuse me. Who commits first? If you had me guessing, I would say Everett. I would say Everett would be that guy to commit for Villanova. I think you're looking at Villanova. You're looking at who's there. He's looking at who's there between Robertson, Earl, and Antoine. And then you're looking at Justin Moore and Dixon there. And you're like, oh, man, I want part of that whole, you know, I mean, it's becoming the brotherhood itself, you know. And then Roach, he's looking at other guys who's being recruited. You Also, as a recruit, look at other guys who are being recruited. You see other top guys there. You can set the tone. Like Dixon. Dixon set the tone for his last class. I remember I came out and said it. Because, see, I had talked to Ashley Howard. I can say it now. I talked to Ashley Howard. And he was like, we trying to get Dixon to commit now. What I knew about Justin Moore was Ashley was telling me that Justin Moore, you know, they really liked him. 
they really like Justin Moore. Like, cause I was talking about other guys like Lewis and, and Antoine, right? And I, you know, we was, we was talking on the phone about the recruits. He was like, man, we really, man, Justin Moore is, you know what I mean? So when they got, when they went for Dixon, I had already talked to Ashley Howard and he had told me about that. Now, Moore, um, when I saw the, the, the report, Eric Watkins put out the report that they was going in to see more. I knew he was going to commit because I knew how much they liked more. And when they, when they went in, I said, I made that gamble. Like, yeah, Moore's going to commit because they like him. They've been recruiting him for a very long time. Once they start going in at him, I said, Oh, Moore's going to commit to Villanova. And sure enough, boom, you know, before any two, four, seven writers said it, I was like, Oh, he's going to commit. I just, Having an inside track of how much they like him. Like Isaiah Ty, they like Isaiah Ty. Howard was always like, you know, he was coming down there training with him and everything. Now I can see the, his top schools out. Nova's not in it. Yeah, they like Isaiah Ty. I mean, I, I, Howard was going to Isaiah Ty to try to get him. I think that would have been, if Howard was here, then Isaiah Ty would have came over here. I really feel like that would have been, a, Villanova would have been involved with Isaiah Ty if Ashley Howard was here. Okay. Um. Another guy, I can probably look look just 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 pay attention to other guys that haven't got the office like Shea Evans. I don't think they'll go after Brandon Boston. Duke is doing a real good job. The other guys are at them, but Shea Evans is a guy to watch out for. If you know, if you're talking about if no Jabri Abdurrahim, look at Shea Evans. Look, watch out for Shea Evans. Just watch out for that one. If no Elijah Hudson's ever, then a big man, I can't tell you a big man right now in this class, but I can say one guy who I feel maybe will get looked at, and that's Hunter Dickinson of the Matthew Catholic. If they think about going after any other big man in the 2020 class and they don't get Elijah Hudson, just look out for Hunter Dickinson of the Matthew Catholic who played with Justin Moore. That's one guy that they recruited like last year sometime, but that's a guy to look forward to because Villanova loves to stay within schools and stay within the area. All right, y'all, listen, I'm about to be out of here, man. Um, Been a good time, always a good time with my leaders, man. Um, Y'all tune in tomorrow. I'm going to do a whole nother one, maybe some something later on in the day. You never know because sometimes I just get news and I got to pop up on the air and let you know what's going on. So I'm out of here, y'all. Follow the leader. <laughs>